Um, my backlog is huge. I don't know if you guys <laughs> looked at the sale at all, but my uh, front log is huge. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, man. It's just, okay. You know, how, how will you ever get, how will you Ash ever get trips himself up and you call him on a joke and he goes, <laughs> he laughs for a second and he just goes, you know, you know, man. <laughs> Welcome to Rated NA, the podcast for the website nerdappropriate.com. Uh, this is episode number 278, and I am your host, Matt. And I'm Scott. And I'm Ash. And I just realized that I rarely check what number it is but right until like right when I'm about to read it, and every time for like the past, I don't know, I'll say 100 episodes, my brain goes, wait, is it really 278, or did we fuck up and not put the number correct at the top of the notes? This is the world we live in now. Well, yeah. Yeah, most, most of the time it is fucked up. So, <laughs> Where it's like the title will be correct on the left, but on the right it's still the old one. Yeah, yeah. The, the moral of the story man. is I'm, I'm terrible with numbers. No. <laughs> You'd think it's me not reading ahead would be the problem there. We're just bad at this. We yeah. quit. Let's quit. This is our last, this is our last episode. Oh, no. <laughs> but then uh, what are we going to do? <laughs> talk to ourselves in the shower. Uh, already do uh well i guess on today's show we'll catch up on the news from last week this is a short week because the holiday um ash has been watching 13 reasons why i completed mass effect andromeda and i have some post-hype thoughts and then uh matt and i have been watching master of none season two i like that you call it completed master or um, mass effect it it has been completed <laughs> It's like a, two varied definitions of like if I completed it <laughs> and you completed it, we're very different. Different definitions. Yes. Is all I'm saying. I didn't. I didn't. I didn't beat it. I completed it. Oh, that's true. Yes. It's like when you when you're alone by yourself, you don't beat it. You complete it. I, yes. What? I. No. I. When you're in love, <laughs> when you're in love, you complete it. When you're alone. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's right. That's right. I I beat it to completion. Whoa. Wait, that's not wow. right. Wow. 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 Well, anyways, we'll, right we'll talk me. about this, that later. This is a sticky situation, this episode. <laughs> yeah, we better move on. All right. Uh, what? <laughs> Sorry. The is, audio trouble has really thrown me off. Is it throwing you off? Do you want to hear something fun then? You want me to just tell you sure. a non sequitur yeah. fun thing? My okay. wife just texted me and she said, did you take this photo of me last night with my phone or did I take it while I was sleeping? And I said, you took it while you were sleeping. And she took a selfie in bed because <laughs> she falls asleep uh, do your wives do this my wife falls asleep holding the phone like using it like she'll be playing a game and she'll be holding her phone like right in front of her face and usually what she ends up doing is accidentally deleting apps off the home screen <laughs> and apparently this time she managed to take what is not the worst selfie i've ever seen in my life of her sleeping oh. uh while asleep wow yeah no, I've, I've never These never seen that before. You never seen yeah. that? It's a magical because yeah. you know usually people fall asleep and they drop the phone on their face and they wake up like in a panic because they hit themselves in the head with the phone. You right, ever seen right. that? I've seen that. I've mm-hmm. done it. You know. Yeah, Melissa, I've dropped my phone on my face a few times. Melissa has managed to figure out how to 
like her arm just stays up like it just she just falls asleep like frozen in place this is this is hot audio content by the way (laughs) (laughs) i'm over here miming holding a phone to literally no one (laughs) trying to explain it to you guys anyways she's managed to learn how to hold her phone up and uh and stay awake or fall asleep you got it we all got it we're all there yeah we're all there (laughs) indeed yeah news first little news item is a little bit about overwatch uh there's some big stuff right around the corner it looks like uh there may be some overwatch happenings uh, at san diego comic-con in just a couple of weeks um it has been leaked slash slightly revealed that uh the next playable character is going to be the character of doomfist which was teased all the way back in the very beginning in the very first cinematic um and apparently doomfist is uh for those of you who are up on your overwatch lore he's working with the terrorist organization known as talon and he's going to be voiced by the actor terry cruz that we all know and love of course yeah, which is which is just great, and uh, he's a big guy that can apparently level skyscrapers with his fist, which is pretty <laughs> cool. Um, we don't know much about his abilities or anything of that nature, but he looks like he'll probably be, probably be out within the next couple weeks. And uh, I I would put money down to say that Terry Crews will be at Comic Con with the Overwatch Watch Gang uh, for a panel. Cool. I I would I would put money down on that, which is cool. Um, they do something in Overwatch, which I think is pretty neat. They do seasonal events, and uh, the first seasonal event ever uh, last year was the Summer Games, which was celebrating the Olympics at the time, or sort of the Olympics in their Overwatch world reality. Well, they're not doing all new events this year. They're kind of revamping their old events. So Summer Games 2 is set to start uh, sometime in August with all new events and all new skins and all new fun stuff to get and download. So if you um, have been taking a break from Overwatch, uh, it's been a little bit of downtime now after the last event, and it looks like there's a whole bunch of new stuff coming out uh, in July and August, which is pretty cool. That's nice. cool. It's awesome, yeah. man. Yeah, good stuff. I'll play it. Um, let's see. Let's talk. We have a little bit of Mass Effect news to discuss. Um, they have... Teased. They've been um, really keeping up with the multiplayer content since the game has launched, and a lot of, you know, especially the the gaming blogs have um, really focused on, uh, you know, improvements that were needed for the single player campaign. But meanwhile, the multiplayer team has been um, dropping new content like every single week in the form of a, you know, a special mission or some additional equipment that you can get, um, and they're finally teasing a uh, platinum difficulty level for uh, Andromeda multiplayer, which is kind of insane given how um, how the, the challenge of the game kind of ramps up into gold. Um, and they've also teased that the uh, Batarians are coming to Mass Effect Andromeda, which is like raises a lot of questions because they're not in, you know, they're not in the single player campaign. And so it would be interesting to see if there's some lore that explains how they wound up in the Andromeda galaxy as it relates to, you know, the multiplayer missions, which are, you know, as far as the, the lore goes, it's supposed to be, um, you are a part of an elite, elite, uh, apex crew, which is going out and conducting these missions. So it is kind of tied into what's happening in the single player game. So it's all interesting stuff. Last weekend, they ran a, a special challenge in which, um, the, 
number of waves on the gold mission was extended to 11, just like it used to be in Mass Effect 3. Now, currently the game has um, seven waves to uh, extraction, so it'll be interesting to see what what happens in Platinum Difficulty and how how things are going to change, but I'm, I'm kind of excited. I'm, I'm still into the multiplayer for Mass Effect. Who do you think that Platinum is for, though? Because, I mean, gold is really damn hard. <laughs> yeah, I mean... Like, it, I, is the community already that good that they're yeah. just crushing gold? Yeah, there are there are there are people that are really good, and I I played with. There was a gold challenge um, a few weeks ago in the new um, remnant level that kind of unfolds over time, and I played with you know three people that were like level eighteen or twenty, which is maxed out for Mass Effect, and I was probably level thirteen or fourteen, and the the team kind of just carried me through the mission, and I was just there to kind of. You know, cloak and heal and throw down barricades when it was needed to to help revive people and stuff like that. But otherwise, um, they seem to have not a lot of trouble getting through it. And if you have a squad that um, has been keeping up with the game progression, like buying the special equipment that's been coming out, and if your teammates are willing to use like the you know RPG launchers at the right time, then you can really get through a gold mission with um, you know with a team that's kind of like in it to win it. So it's definitely possible. And so it seems like it's you know maybe the time is right for for platinum difficulty and I I wonder why they waited so long to introduce it again maybe it was just to kind of like allow the the game to the multiplayer to scale like at you know some reasonable right, right. rate you know since its introduction but um, that that aspect of the game is still fantastic and uh, I I keep going back to it every once in a while just to see what's new. I mean, I guess we can kind of piggyback and add on to this and just do a little bit of Mass Effect news, but it has been announced that there is going to be no single-player DLC for Mass Effect Andromeda. I mean, is that for real? I mean, I feel like it keeps going back and forth with, like, there was, like, fake news and then... Uh, well, I think the the fake news story kind of segued into a lot of uh, a lot of sites doing investigative journalism and kind of realizing that the team that built... Andromeda is now they're all effectively working on other things, mm-hmm. um, you know, and we we follow a lot of the devs on social media and a lot of those guys have moved on to other projects. So it's like, well, if you know, if they're not making it and they're, they're not announcing it, then they're sure as heck there's no one to make it at this point, you know, because yeah. everyone, I mean, everyone else is doing other work. So honestly, now that I've finished the game, I think that it would it would be OK not to have more single player content um you know if we were still living in a world where i thought the next game was going to come out in another three years or four years or something and now now we have to wait the game definitely leaves you with a lot of questions but um you know i i thought for the most part like the story part of it was complete in the sense that like we'll we'll talk about that a little bit in your review section because there are are some things i want to touch on without completely spoiling the game i still want to i've been wanting to talk about it with you since i beat it you know many many moons ago yeah Um, yeah yeah. so i figured i didn't i didn't beat it to completion like you did but i still so of course yeah Yeah, i mean it it took a long time to to beat it uh beat it that far but um uh it it worked out in the end i promise Yeah, yeah yeah well um Let's jump on over and talk a little bit about San Diego Comic-Con. And there's not a ton of uh, news here, but it is um, just a little bit of a reminder that uh, we are, Matt and myself, are going to be out there um, covering San Diego Comic-Con and running around and having fun at San Diego Comic-Con. So if you happen to be out at San Diego Comic-Con, uh, we will be there. And we'll be recording some stuff, hopefully with some old guests and some 
some new folks and, uh, you know, all sorts of content coming I out of that. I think you mean previous guests, Ash. What did I say? Old Past guests. guests. Old guests, yeah. <laughs> yes, they're yeah, not I'm probably the oldest guest. Uh, let's be honest here, but no, no, it, it'll be it'll be a lot of fun. And uh, for the first time ever, uh, for those of you who've been to Comic Con, you know that the schedule usually starts to drop right around now. But uh, for the first time, it looks like they're going to drop it all at once. So uh, as of tomorrow, let's tell them how the sauce is made, which is going to be the sixth. The complete Comic Con schedule will be out, including um, all the stuff that's coming out on Preview Night and and some of the offsite stuff as well. So. Um, it's going to be exciting, man. It's always a good time and I'm, I'm really amped to get out there and run around and, you know, eat some good tacos. Yeah. Good tacos are the, one of the better parts. Indeed. Oh, there's some weird stuff this year. Um, there is no nerd HQ this year, which is yeah. kind of a bummer. Um, Zachary Levi, who normally does his offsite nerd HQ event is not having it this year. Um, you know, and some people are saying that it was probably because it was very uh, expensive to run and they kept, you know, I was talking about this with my wife. They kept expanding the size of it year after year. You know, the, uh, one year they had it at the baseball stadium and, and it was just massive. And it, the first year I remember going and it was very, very tiny. It was like in a bar, which was just awesome. That was like <laughs> so, my favorite uh, one of all of them. They did the library and the bar. Yeah. Yeah, it was really, really cool. Um, so hopefully when they do bring it back, eventually it comes back and it's small again because it didn't need to be this big, you know, stadium type thing. That was really an- the antithesis of what I think they were going for initially. Um, Entertainment Weekly also had a big offsite thing in years past and they're not doing theirs this year as well. And I actually haven't heard anything about um, Nerdist, Geek and Sundry, legendary who usually have a huge offsite thing as well i don't know if they're doing theirs i haven't heard anything yet so yeah um maybe not they may so there may be less offsite offerings this year for sdcc or maybe just some there new ones a lot to of, there were a lot of like small little tiny things though last year like they did a lot of like mr robot had a weird offsite like vr thing and like there was a bunch of like little tiny ones that were happening at different spots so there's one for the tick this year which i don't know Is if there? i'm allowed to but there's a tick offsite like event that where you can like run around the city and it's cool. Interesting. That's it. Started ticks. Yet, has it? it? Hasn't aired yet. No, it hasn't aired yeah. yet. Gonna be cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> maybe I, I. Since you mentioned, I I should probably add on to my Mass Effect news that the the patch notes for 1.09, uh, which introduced that platinum difficulty, are also going to be released tomorrow too. Which is why we're just kind of waiting to see what's going to happen. Ah. With that, yeah. So, um, last thing I want to talk about is uh, we're kind of at that time of the year where um, it's almost like a digital clearance sale on everything that came out last holiday season. Mm-hmm. So, you know, Steam just did their big summer sale, and I think PlayStation's doing a sale, and then the uh, Xbox Ultimate sale is still running currently. Prior to that, they actually did a super mega indie uh, Ultimate sale where, like, pretty much every indie game um that was like an id at xbox game was on sale at you know at some reasonable discount which was pretty cool uh but right now the um xbox ultimate game sale i think runs for another five days and some of the you know anything that came out pretty much in the last six or seven months is on the list like injustice 2 ghost recon wildlands mass effect prey um you know elder scrolls morrowind for honor battlefield one things like that so um if you were waiting to get something now is the time uh you also get an additional discount if you are a gold member and then even if you um 
like to earn achievements like me when you're traveling, uh, the sale has actually been extended to uh, Xbox-enabled titles on Windows 10. So there are a couple of things over on the Windows Store that you can pick up as well. So, um, you know, that includes, like, uh, IAP for Fallout Shelter. Um, it includes some Telltale games. And then, you know, Microsoft's first-party titles like Halo Wars 2 and uh, Gears of War 4. So um, a lot of good stuff out there. And now is the time to buy if you if you waited on anything last year. Um, my backlog is huge. I don't know if you guys <laughs> looked at the sale at all, but... My uh, front log is huge. <laughs> oh, Yeah. <laughs> yeah man it's just, okay you know how how will you ever get how will you Ash ever get trips himself up and you call him on a joke and he goes he laughs for a second and he just goes you know you know man <laughs> oh man every time you know yeah <laughs> you know what i mean you, well this is why i'd be great at improv <laughs> Would you stop and be like, you know what I mean? <laughs> do you know? Do you need me to explain that joke? I can't. I'm giggling too hard. <laughs> oh man. Uh, yeah. Well, anyways, the sale is <laughs> the sale is huge. Uh, I'm always looking out for deals, which is why I bring this stuff up. But um, I think I'm still in that phase where I'm trying to figure out what to play next. I've been asking people on Twitter what I should play next, and I think like some of the front runners are like Shadows of Mordor. Uh, Rise of the Tomb Raider. A lot of people were telling me, um, you know, to play Dishonored one or two. I guess for that matter. Yeah. Dis- and uh, and Wolfen Wolfenstein: The Old Blood, which is the uh, prequel, sequel prequel to the game that came out after the uh, after the first one. Which uh, I think I started playing like three or four levels of it and didn't play. I'm still interested in playing Steep. I don't know why. Uh, maybe because of the SSX connection. You know, like I like the snowboarding games. Yeah. Uh, that's on sale. And oh, there's something else I had my eye on too, but it's like, you know, again, so many games, so little time, right? It's but um, mm-hmm. if you are looking for something, now is the time, at least before everything comes out in the fall again, and you have to start all over. I'm in the same boat, man. I um, I'm kind of like in in between games right now, and mm-hmm. uh, I don't really know what to pick up or. You know, even if I sh- should bother, because there's so many games that are about to drop, um, you know, that I'm excited for. So I'm just like, well, maybe I'll just just wait it out and do, you know, responsible yeah. things at night. <laughs> yeah. Well, here's I the mean, thing, which sucks. It, I mean, I don't want to be responsible, but yeah. I mean, I don't either. But if you, you know, as far as like if you do choose to play something, my advice, um, you know, to you and anyone listening is like after you finish a game, you know, like an 80-hour game like Mass Effect or whatever, you play like. Um, the witcher or something like that i always like to play some really short games like a telltale game or like some indie titles or something like that just to kind of like get you back on track you know right if you get a couple of uh couple of quick ones out of the way you're kind of like you get to that place where you're like oh, i'm ready for uh something intense again so i think that that would be my advice is to pick up an indie or something that you know is short maybe you never played like life is strange something that's just like low stress right that's the way yeah. to go yeah, Until you get sure. halfway through that narrative and then it's high stress. Oh, yeah, for sure. But I'm saying, like, <laughs> you know, yeah. compared to, like, figuring out what's going on in The Witcher or something like that. I feel which like, you, like Ash should play Snake Pass. Oh, God. <laughs> I would, I would, I would I feel like, like that game it. would give me a nosebleed. I mean, I think it's visually beautiful, but, like, watching Scott play it at PAX alone was like, I was like, I can't take it anymore. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like I mean, I... 10 seconds of slow snake crawling and I was ready to smash my face against the wall. <laughs> I, w- I was I was pretty terrible 
at that game at PAX, but by the time I was beating it to completion, I um, became very proficient at it. Um, and I, I think you would just like, you'd probably pull your hair out because it's, um, I mean, I feel like, bad cause they were very nice and like, I think they follow us on social media now and they, they've been super cool, but it's just not, Oh, that wasn't me. a knock on the game. It's just, no way. you in don't particular. do puzzle platformers. I don't know. It's definitely, it's a matter of taste. Yeah. And that game, um, like I've said before is more of like what I call a skateboarding game where you know what you want to do, but you can't get your hands to do it. Right. Yeah. Um, it's not one of those games where it's like, I want Mario to jump and I push the A button to jump. It's like, well, I need to slither up this pole and like kind of like weave my way through these bamboo shoots and uh, uh, getting the control stick to do it is like trickier than you might think. Yeah. But uh, I think that game is actually <laughs> on sale in the Windows in the Windows 10 store. So um, have at it. I'll I would love to watch you stream it. <laughs> Watching oh, you try boy. To play. <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah. Comical at best. Anyways. That's the sale. That's the sale. Yeah, man. Uh, we should say that the the Mass Effect Andromeda news story was submitted by Andrew Baker, a Baker and Seven on Twitter. So thanks, Andrew. Oh, right on. I put a little uh, shout out because I couldn't think of any news stories, and a couple people submitted news stories, ah. some yeah, of which we the, covered for the Mass Effect uh, multiplayer. You mean one hundred and nine? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, the used gamers asked us to come up with three numbers between one and a hundred. I don't know what this means. I don't know if it makes for good podcasting, but the number I pick is seven. Between oh, one we and each 100? pick a number. Yeah, between one and a hundred. I'm gonna pick fifty-three. Okay. Yeah, that's my number. Uh, I'm gonna go with ninety-eight. Nice. None of us. None of us went the Bill and Ted route. I'm proud of us. I thought about it. I really did, but I didn't do it. This is Allie Hillis, and you're listening to the Rated NA Podcast at nerdappropriate.com. All right, we are back, and uh, I'm going to do a review in progress of a Netflix original series, which is... Wait, uh, hold on. I yeah. want to change my number to 51. <laughs> can, can you do that? Yeah, no. I just did. Oh. Yeah. Not oh, if I'm we talk edit all it. over it. I'll edit it in post. <laughs> Not if we so say like, words while you're trying to say words. No, when you go back and listen to it, it'll just be like, my number is 51. Jesus Christ. 69, dudes! I'll see you went there. You did go with the Bill and Ted I, reference. I, I couldn't can't help hold it. out, could you? I, mm-hmm. oh, I couldn't. It we felt so, so good. felt so good. We were so close. All Continue. right. So we are back with uh, some quick reviews, and I'm currently watching a Netflix original series called 13 Reasons Why, uh, which Matt informed me was a novel, which I didn't <laughs> even know that was a novel. I'm like, oh, I guess it was. I didn't um, say a novel, Ashby. You said, you said a ya novel? A yeah, ya novel. Yeah. Um, this is actually something my, my wife uh, burnt through in a couple days, and she was like, you got to watch it. And I was like, okay. So I finished up Glow. And uh, I put this 13 reasons why. And, you know, the 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 tagline for this or like the general, I guess, synopsis of this show is very, very dark. It's about a a young girl who has a lot of trouble in her life and uh, makes a series of tapes 
that uh, document uh, what's wrong with her life, the 13 reasons why she ends up committing suicide. And so on the event of her death, she gives these tapes to the 13 people that kind of led her to commit suicide and tells them to listen to the tapes. And it's one big long narrative story and to pass the tapes along from person to person. And so, um, you know, a lot of the story is told in first, first, first person through, um, the young girl's perspective, uh, Hannah's perspective. And she kind of goes through a lot of the hardships and a lot of the things she's going, going on in her life. And it makes it sound like, I mean, it is a very, very dark and serious topic, but the way that the show is shot and the way that it's acted it it feels like, and I told the guys this on Slack. It kind of feels like a Donnie Darko TV series. Like it's a little quirky, a little mm-hmm. strange. It's got a really awesome soundtrack with like uh, the Chromatics and the Cure and Joy Division and and a bunch of really good bands. So the music's really good. It's shot very very well. Um, one of the directors was uh, Greg Erkai, who did like a lot of like really like sharp indie movies in the 90s, like Nowhere and some movies that I thought were pretty cool in the 90s growing up and. Um, he did a lot of the episodes, so it's a visually beautiful show. I think it's really well acted. The um, the actress uh, who is Catherine Langford, it's her first thing that she's ever done, and she's in every single episode, even though she's dead at the beginning of the show. I mean, that's not even a spoiler. It's like that's what the show is about. Mm-hmm. Um, but her acting is like off the charts good and it gets better and better as the series progresses. Um, there are some rumors going around that she's being heavily considered for Joss Whedon's Batgirl. Um, based solely on her performance in the show. So she's apparently like the top runner for Batgirl right now. And I can completely see it. She'd make a really, really good Barbara Gordon. Um, without spoiling anything, I can say the way that the show is constructed, it's like a, a bit of a scavenger hunt. Um, the main character is a character by the name of Clay. And he doesn't know... Uh, he each of the main characters has a tape and a reason why that they led to this young girl's suicide. They don't know why or what they did that led to her suicide. And so you have to listen through all the tapes and you have to listen to her explain what each one of these characters did. And then a lot of the story is told through flashbacks. So you're jumping back and forth through time and the main character clay, um, is listening to the tapes and listening to Hannah's narrative and then going and retracing her steps and going to the places that she went and interacting with the people she interacted with to try and figure out, you know, why she did what she did. Um, and also find justice for her, you know, in a lot of ways. And, you know, as someone who used to spend, uh, an obscene amount of time in, in a high school, I can say it's a incredibly accurate representation of, uh, the bullying and the violence and the misogyny and the terrible things going on in the American classroom right now. I think it's probably one of the most accurate representations I've seen on TV. Um, there's a lot of uh, cyberbullying and, and really nasty stuff that goes goes around. And, you know, you hear about it all the time and it's represented in pop culture as well. But um, I think this is the first show to really embrace it head on and, and show the impact that it can have. Hmm. Um, you know, it, you know, over the course of my teaching career, which wasn't incredibly long, it was a little, little over maybe six, seven years. Um, I did lose, uh, three students to suicide and, uh, and it, yeah. And it's, uh, it comes, you know, it's, it's always very shocking because they always seem like they have it together and everything's totally cool. Uh, and that's the same thing with the, the character of Hannah Baker, like Hannah Baker, like uh, on the exterior, she seemed like she had it together 
and she was, um, you know, actually going through quite a lot. So, you know, uh, it, it's not the type of show that's like making me weep as I watch it. It's not dark like that. It's like, it's more of a, just a raw representation of like, I think what reality is like in the American classroom right now. Hmm. So, um, you know, I highly recommend it. it it's, uh, it's, like I said, very well shot. The soundtrack is great. Very well acted. Um, I'm about three quarters of the way through the series. And it's a great mystery, too, because you, you get to find out about these characters and about um, why they did what they did and how even the, the most villainous of characters are you know, kind of going through their own shit as well, which is what happens again in the American classroom. So even, even the assholes are victims in, in their own, in their own way. So, uh, 13 reasons why currently on Netflix, you can watch the whole series in one big chunk, uh, just got picked up for season two. Don't know how they're going to do that (laughs) because, because she did. Um, (laughs) maybe it's just going to be like a different, a different tale. I made more tapes. Like what? How'd you do that? Um, but anyway, it, it'll probably be a different tale. Uh, it's supposedly going to have the same cast, like because apparently she's back. So maybe there's just more to the story that they have yeah. not revealed in season one. But anyway, highly, highly recommend it. Uh, very, very good. Netflix is just you know killing it right now. Um, you know with it with their stuff. Glow is great. This is great too. Cool. Well, let's talk about Master of None then. Speaking of uh, a streak of success, uh, Matt, how far are you? I've finished it. Oh, you finished it. So I'm. Yeah. Uh, let's see. I've watched, uh, I want to say, four or five episodes. I just saw the one about New York, so I think that's maybe episode four or five. Does that sound right? Like when they go to New York? No, the one where it's called, like, I Love New York is the name of the episode. Let me look up the synopses while you're talking. Yes. It's the one that's, like, a series of vignettes about people living in New York. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, So it's really interesting because I feel like what I've seen so far – uh, this season feels a little, the main storylines feel a little less connected throughout the episodes, even though there are uh, some storylines that carry throughout this series, um, compared to season one, at least. Um, but it's interesting how at the end of season one, uh, um, Aziz Ansari's character, Dev, basically says like, oh, I think I'm going to move to, you know, to Italy and learn how to make pasta, which is like, you know, I feel like something any of your friends might say at some point in time, but like that's where the show actually goes, right. like in the beginning of season two. Um, and I feel like those those it, those episodes in Italy are so interesting and fascinating, um, just because I I think what this show does that really makes me kind of like tuned into it is that I feel like they managed to make the the dialogue feel like very I don't know like more realistic than what you might see in like movie dialogue or TV dialogue. Does that, does that sound right to you, Matt? Yeah. 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 Cause like <laughs> it, he, like he doesn't well, always I mean, have is, like, this is that new prestige TV, right? Like this is, it's like every episode is a miniature movie and written. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Sure. But it's like, you know, when two characters are talking to each other, it's not like uh, somebody always has a witty comeback for everything that, you know, that, Anytime a question is asked to them, they're not always like, and that's what she said. You know, right, sometimes yeah, it's just it's like, not like sitcomish or anything. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, you know, at times like the response will just be like, eh, I think I'm just going to go to bed. And it's right. like, oh, that's that's what an actual person would say. And I think I think that's why I'm so captivated by the show, because it it feels more realistic, even though it's not always obviously some of the situations are 
mm-hmm. uh, you know, unusual that happened in the show, but it just seems to happen very organically, which is what I really like about it. What do you think, Matt? Um, I did you like season one a lot? Yeah, I did. Okay. Yeah, I did. Mm-hmm. Um, I d- actually, I I feel like I like this season better so far. Sure. Yeah, and you're six okay. episodes in, by the way. You've only got a few left. Oh, cool, um, awesome. Yeah, uh, I was impressed with some of season one kind of like I was impressed with what he did story wise and like he's got a different perspective I think than what you usually see on TV so that stuff is interesting to me Mm -hmm. Um, there's a little bit of this this is like a whole genre to me right now of, of like type of comedy which is comedians being like not this one's a little less so but sort of like origin story comedy stuff like it's very judd apatow produced feeling you know like Mm -hmm. it's it's like oh yeah we want you to be funny but we want you to be real and i like the realness to an extent but then also i get i get a little just tired of it i guess i get i get a little like i don't know the the idea of the perspectives are, are can be i don't know how to word it i i'm not getting to the right place but essentially i think would you put louis in that same boat yeah yeah louis yeah louis okay. like the originator of that like louis mm-hmm. louis made louis and then everybody was like oh we should all do our own louis essentially mm-hmm. is, is kind of what happened you know like yeah i guess uh, you're right i mean the jim gaffigan show is kind of like that too it's yeah. just kind of like him going out and doing comedy and hanging out with his buddies in new york and stuff like that yeah and then there's there's a series of movies off that and like girls was probably one of the originators too like th- those that kind of like real comedy came out around girls and and um and Louis and you know I don't even know if uh, Sex in the City I think is a little bit more set up than those two so it's very like it's very like it's a newer genre of thing and there, and there's just been a lot of it that's come out and um I think Aziz does some stuff really well I think season 2 was and is way better than season 1 season 1 I actually got a little tired of like when he and his comedian friends would hang out it was very like comedians riffing kind of thing like where mm-hmm. they all had like zippy jokes to give off or and it yeah it sounded that it sounded like they were just like writing down what they would say at a table with each other which is fine but not super entertaining on tv to me personally mm-hmm. um but i thought season two was really great i thought the turn was a little better i thought the the, re- the relationships that go on through it and there's multiples of them this time as opposed to season one uh not women but i mean well sort of women but like there's there's sort of like there's a couple of romances and there's also like interpersonal relationships that he dives a lot harder into i think this season mm-hmm. and it made mm-hmm. that much more interesting um there is an episode that you have not hit yet that i think is one of the best um episodes easily from his show and probably one of the better episodes of this new like comedy tv uh which is uh his co-star i think her name's lena the her She's the lesbian, the black lesbian character on the, mm-hmm. on the show. Mm-hmm. It's her coming out story. And oh, cool. she oh, co-wrote cool. it. Uh, and uh, it's directed by a woman, I think, named Melina Matsukas. And it's just way more. It's just it's such another. It's like that made me more tuned in because what it did is it showed that like Aziz has this platform with this kind of weird show where he can show multiple points of view you know he did it in the new york i love you episode he does it in a couple of them yeah it's not just his point of view which which i think wore on me a little with season one and Mm -hmm. in season two opening that up to being like oh i have multiple characters we can do points of view from it becomes like 
that becomes more engaging and interesting to me and and that's kind of what happened with with later in the in the season there's some of it that i think is still a little like i don't think he's really great at writing himself out of relationships necessarily or like (laughs) how how to handle those things so it just kind of like ends sort of like in a weird way usually and Mm -hmm. this season ends on as much of like a not a reset button but kind of a you know to be continued kind of thing that you're like okay cool i guess but uh, but yeah, I enjoyed it overall, and I think that the uh, he got more directors on this season as well, and they're all really great. Um, and it's yeah, I think just became I think the show is growing into itself a little, which is fair, you know. Like it's it's so mm-hmm. weird late lately, we get so used to the idea that like these sitcoms and stuff that hit CBS, ABC, and NBC, you know, the, or Fox, these things are like written and tested, and not that Netflix doesn't do that somewhat, but like. Netflix shows get like shot and aired. Like there's not, you know, <laughs> right. they get tested in front of an audience, of course, but like, it's like Aziz has to put 10 episodes together. They get put out right away. All 10 of them are going to come out. So it's not like he makes two episodes and everybody hates it. And then it just gets forgotten about it's like, oh, yeah, he can just be like, I'm going to write that character out. Right. Yeah, right. Like he yeah. has to do a full season and then pray to God that that season goes well while it's airing. Cause it all airs on one day. So he has no idea if like you hated eight episodes six through 10, there's nothing they can fix once that's come out, you know? So Mm -hmm. like seeing these shows get renewed and getting second seasons and seeing them kind of grow into themselves a little bit, I think is, is interesting because it's sort of a new way to watch this TV. And I thought they did a really good job with this, with the season. So. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. I, I also, I mean, maybe that's to the, to the point of the, the directors that you mentioned, but I do like how there's more variety in the in the types of episodes that you see this year because like you said season one was just a lot of him and um noel wells like and that was kind of just yeah it It was also the majority of it was directed by eric wareheim from tim and eric and i uh okay don't love him he's fine but like you could tell when he was directing and i was like okay that was the worst comedy show i've ever been Uh, to (laughs) oh when we took you to tim and eric live (laughs) In my life, it was comedy. It was comedy. Bang bang, wasn't it? No, it was Patton Oswalt, and they opened for Patton Oswalt. They opened for Patton. Oh boy, it was um, rough. Uh, <laughs> let's see. Oh, last thing I want to say is I also just like, you know, aesthetically, like the title sequence, the fonts, you know, that's used in the title sequence, the music that plays in the background, yeah. stuff like that. Um, all that stuff just kind of works for yeah. me. Oh, he um, makes like a sound. It, it, a show is very you can tell he loves food and music because yes like, <laughs> yeah those things get handled so well you know when he when he's doing it so yeah yeah all that stuff is really good so um you know again another netflix show now that is highly recommended there's plenty of stuff to watch on netflix but um hopefully we can you know surface some of the good ones for you yeah let's hope um, so hopefully oh god because how would you ever find uh, it otherwise it's not like it's hard. not it's not like Netflix uses data to help you find things that you might want to watch, right? Like that would be. Um, we're just we're just helping you manually, I suppose. Okay, so let's talk a little bit about Mass Effect Andromeda. Uh, let's I completed. Do it. Never now heard that of there's it. T- two people on this podcast that have completed the game. We can actually talk about it. So uh, Ash hasn't completed it. I thought we already talked about this. Oh, he he beat it. I beat it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And I completed it. And I have refrained from beating it. That's that's true. Um, although part of my advice and i'm not trying to convince you to oh, to go boy. back and play the game here we go again <laughs> but i now that i finish <laughs> it what i will say is that for anyone out there that might be on the fence about where to go in this game my advice would be critical path uh, yes relationships with your your allies 
and then anything else that just happens to catch your attention in the course of doing those other two things and then leave everything else for later or don't do it or that's it and i think the experience would probably be probably feel much more compacted and uh you know not so disjointed when like ambient events kind of interrupt the the pacing of the narrative but um that being said ash i'll i'll defer to you since you've been holding on to it longer yeah i mean i i completely agree with what you're saying like i did not 100 percent the game um there are a lot of side missions and stuff that i did not complete and i think i got to i don't know i was maybe at the the 50 60 hour mark somewhere around there and i decided that I was just going to go finish up crit path and finish up all of the loyalty missions and relationship stuff. And so I kind of did all of that back to back and ended up having a really, really great time yeah. with the game. Um, because it was, uh, the, the writing was sharp and the, uh, the levels that were, were scripted were really cool. Um, my problem with the game really ended up being just mainly with the, the open world stuff and it ended up feeling very samey. I felt like a lot of the open world, um, combat was just, uh, kind of lacking, like, you know, jumping out of your little dune buggy and then like running up on a base that's like, you know, in the middle of nowhere with no cover, a uh, hundred times just wasn't fun. Right. It just, mm. to me, it was like, okay, like I've done this exact thing. You know, it's not like all of a sudden I'm in like a cool city or like an underground lair or like, you know, um, swinging from a vine or something. You know what I mean? I mean, that's a terrible example. But like the variety of uh, of combat in the open world was uh, very repetitive for me. So yes. I, en- I enjoyed the, the scripted um, levels because they felt like old Mass Effect levels, you know? Yeah, like, you know, yeah they did. The cool character dialogue halfway through, banter, uh, you know, boss fights, cool encounters. Um, I, I thought that was really, really great. To be um, fair, to be fair, there are a few uh, underground layers throughout the game in the open world, but you have to find them. Um, and again, like you said, those those do, you know, end up being more interesting than just driving around um, in the desert finding like little outposts to to storm because, uh, you know, it doesn't really offer a lot of reward other than just giving you some XP and a chance to like do some more combat, right? Right, right. Um, the thing, you know, something that might be related to that as far as the open world goes is that I thought it was an interesting decision to scale um, all of the the loot that you get based on your level, which I thought was a little weird. Um, I feel like in previous games it would have been possible to, you know, acquire like special gear, you know, if you searched the right box or completed the right mission or or something like that. But, you know, pretty much the way the game works is that if you're at level... I'm just going to make up a number. Let's say you're at level 27. Like all the gear you get is going to be at level, you know, five out of 10. Right. Right. And then, and it's not going to be anything that you can't find something somewhere else. Like all of the chests are functionally the same. You know, there are maybe like resource chests, low loot, and then high loot chests. And if you find a high loot chest on one planet, it's going to have the same draw as what's on a high loot chest in another planet. And it's not going to offer anything different or unique than uh you know what you would find somewhere else which i think is really unfortunate because i i I think i mean not to cut you off but i also Mm -hmm. think the 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 way that the loot was categorized by like you know we'll just say like avenger one avenger two avenger three all the way up through like avenger 10 i think this Mm -hmm. is a terrible system it's a terrible system because it just doesn't make sense it's like it's a freaking gun like why is this this number one gun worse than this number nine gun and like it just like i I just feel like 
you know, it like that is to me like is just sort of a I don't want I hate to use the term lazy because there's nothing lazy about game dev at all, but mm-hmm. it, it's 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 a silly way of categorizing weaponry and armor that functionally, you know, behaves the same way and 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 looks visually the same way. Yeah, well, I mean, I think there were things that were carried over from Mass Effect One. Uh, Mass Effect One had a lot of a ton of inventory management, and um, you know that's that's kind of how it was done in that game. And I guess at the time it seemed to make sense, but maybe that's because the, the pool of available weapons was small, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then in this game, I don't know. I want to say there's like maybe twenty or thirty different weapons. Yeah, I think there's there's the a game. ton. There's a ton. And then you do that times, you know, do that times 10, you know, 10 levels for every weapon. And then you've kind of got like a lot of weird stuff going on because, uh, and it's, it's not very like satisfying either, right? Because it's like, if you find Avenger five and then you open up a chest, like a few levels later and it's just Avenger six, you just go like, Oh, well, I'm just going to replace that and keep going. Um, you know, it's never like, uh, you know, Avenger S, which is like, you know, some special variant of it that does something unique, you know, it's like in this game, everything is, everything is customized by you. So there's nothing, you'll mm-hmm. never find like a, a, a weapon with a special name or like something that's gold plated or something like that. And it kind of just, you, you have a lot of freedom to do whatever you want with the weapons, but at the same time, you, you never find something that's like an Easter egg or something special that you can get excited about. Right. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. It, yeah. I mean, and it's it, it's very nitpicky because there are aspects of the game that are just are are just great. I just felt like the the inventory management system uh, for me was just like it was it was intense, especially um, you know before they added the increase to the the inventory cap, like mm-hmm. first couple mm-hmm. months or a couple weeks of the game, there was like a really limited inventory. Oh, and so for I sure. just every time I got in, I was just like playing inventory Jenga and deleting stuff, and I was like, this just isn't a fun. A fun system, but they yeah, fixed that, it a bit. That was tough. And yeah, now you can get up to like 200 uh, inventory if you have the right perks unlocked. And it's not too bad anymore. It's not. Um, they definitely improved upon that aspect of it. So, uh, and, and again, you know, 1.09 is coming out tomorrow, or I think if not tomorrow, maybe Friday. And so I'm sure there will be, you know, every time there's multiplayer content, they kind of tweak the single player experience too. So um, it's nice to see that they continue to work on that. But I, I totally feel you. Like early on, you were constantly having to, you know, destroy things for loot. And, uh, you know, all that stuff is pretty common. But like just the frequency at which you acquired uh, new gear, not all of it was like great. You know, the fact that you were constantly having to like go into your inventory, go, oh, like I have to break this down. I want to keep this. Right, right. Um, you know, Mass Effect fans in particular like to hold on to things like weapon or um, armor sets. You know, if they're collecting a set that they like, um, you know, sometimes people just like to collect them, right? And then now you're putting yeah, people I, in the I'm, position. I'm that way. Like, I was like, oh man, I would love to get this whole set. And then, uh, it, you know, since it, it consisted of like five or six pieces, it was a mm. huge chunk of inventory. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, let's see. What else do you want to talk about? Well, I was... Let's shift gears and talk about. Um, let's talk about the the overall narrative and kind of what you thought of it in the end, uh, without revealing the ending of the game. And I also kind of want to talk about your feelings on how the game was perceived now that you have literally done everything that you can possibly do in the game. So let's talk first about the narrative itself. Um, sure. Wh- what did you think about when you finished it? Kind of what 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 did you what kind of feelings did you have? Um. I think I think what I 
said early on as I was playing this game was very true towards the end, which is I feel like some of the most uninteresting content is like front loaded into the game. Um, and some of the most amazing content is like found very late within the game. Right. Yeah. The ending's pretty rad. <laughs> yes. Yes. The ending's pretty um, rad. But the problem that I had with it is um, so, first of all, for our listeners, we're not going to spoil anything, but a lot of the decisions you make along the way um, kind of pay off in the end. Like old characters come back and things you, you know, things that you did along the way kind of uh, resonate in, in the, the final couple hours of the game. Mm-hmm. Um, my problem was since the game was so big, I had forgotten like who some of the people were. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I had forgotten like what decision I made that like made that person important. I was like, Oh, that guy's like one of the other, uh, I was just like, I, you know, I had just forgotten so much cause it's an open world game and you only see these people for a couple hours. But if you play mm-hmm. for 80 hours, you know, a couple hours a night, it's like, you know who who the hell was that Salarian? I don't remember yeah. who the hell he was. You know, it is difficult. The scope of the game makes it difficult at times to even keep track of like who is important as you meet people throughout the game. Um, well, but, and they, and they recycled a lot of the facial models for for yes. characters. So like, yeah. it, one Asari looks just like another Asari, and they legit look a hundred percent like each other. So it's like, how am I supposed to remember you know which Asari that was from thirty five hours ago in my life? It's like. You know, I, I can't. I just can't. So it, for sure, it gave me some problems. For sure. Um, but absolutely, you're right. Uh, when I got to the last few, you know, core missions of the game, I was just like, there are a few times where I was like uh, feeling things that I wanted to feel early on, where I was like, I was getting angry at like things that were happening, like things, you know, angry in terms of like, oh, I can't believe the the evil guy did that. You know, like now I'm mad. I'm going to fight him. You know, like. Um, mm-hmm. like genuine reactions to what was happening in the game. Um, you know, the last few places you visit in the game, I was like taking screenshots. I was like, this is beautiful, like beautiful vistas throughout the game, of course. Um, but uh, as far as the overall narrative goes, I think my my perception of it is a little skewed um, because I really consumed a lot of the stuff that was on the website um, prior to the game's launch. Like, so they ran that little, uh, you know, Andromeda initiative uh, initiation thing on their website prior to the game launch. Um, and then I listened to the uh, Andromeda Nexus Uprising audiobook. The You know, I listened to the audio version of the novel, which was read by uh, Frida Wolf. Um, and uh, I, I'm sorry I couldn't have been at that interview too, because I wanted to like mention to her, right, is that she's, Sarah Ryder, but you know, through the book, she was also Foster Addison and Sloan Kelly and you know, Nackmore, uh, what's her name? Uh, or Drac or Kesh, Kesh, yeah. So Kesh, she, yeah. she, you know, she didn't voice those characters in the game, but she voiced all the characters in the book, and it was very believable too. So, uh, definitely commendable uh, effort on her part in reading that book. But, um, so like, I feel like I had a, I, I had a context for what the, what the um sort of what was happening in the in kind of the ambient world that provided the context for the story of the game and when i got to actually playing mass effect andromeda i feel like a lot of the stuff that i already knew about the game going into it was not really explained maybe as well as i thought it could have been like i really thought uh you know something that i thought they didn't play up a lot was this whole idea of like you know, you are explorers and, you know, there's a lot of uncertainty and there's danger 
and you're not really sure how things are going to work out. And at times, you know, characters started to treat this new galaxy as if it were very familiar, which I thought was a little strange. Mm-hmm. Um, something else that I thought they were trying to really push, but it didn't always like make a convincing argument was the fact that like your team was a new team and they didn't always necessarily trust you. And so you were, you know, you were supposed to be kind of like ribbing back and forth with them as they were, you know, kind of like respecting your authority, but kind of not at the same time um, that I feel like that didn't, you know, yeah, they just kind of went along for the ride and, you know, some of them literally have hundreds and hundreds of years on experience of experience um, mm-hmm. on top of your character, you know, uh, I mean, above your character rather. Yeah. So but it, I, think, I think they wanted it to have sort of like a, like a, you know, firefly kind of feel in the sense where it's like, you know, your team is just kind of like being held together by duct tape. Right. Right. Uh, but you know, because it's a mass effect game, sometimes it just feels like you have a team of super soldiers on your ship. And, um, while they explain that in the dialogue, it doesn't always like, it didn't necessarily land with me the way I, I hoped it would. So, right. Uh, I mean, the, the, the tragic thing about it all, and this kind of segues into, um, you know, the perception of the game and, and the last thing I really want to talk about with this, mm-hmm. um, the sad thing is just like the perception of the game wasn't great and it, it hurt the mass effect franchise in the end. You can't argue that. I mean, mm-hmm. it, you know, the fact that they're not making DLC at this point and the fact that at this point there really is no other mass effect in production. And then the core of the mass effect, the original mass effect team that still works at Bioware are all working on Anthem has me excited for Anthem, but it also, breaks my heart that we're not going to get mass effect for a really long time mm-hmm. um you know and uh and we may never revisit the andromeda galaxy you know it's going to be that like, would it's really gonna, be too bad and i think that's going to be the case man i think like this is this is going to be it like i don't think you're going to see andromeda again um with ea's checkbook i just don't think it's going to happen yeah i mean there were just so many unanswered not necessarily unanswered questions but there were unanswered questions but they definitely you know left that narrative open at the end for like here's what is going to happen next you know right Um, but let me ask you this mm -hmm. do you feel like it's an important story though because what i left i left when i finished andromeda i was like well like that all happened but like in the grand scheme of things like that i don't know if it necessarily is is going to I don't know if I cared enough about the, the like the, the plight of the Andromeda galaxy like I did uh, of Earth, with Earth and the Reapers. Like I just I didn't I didn't care. Like with Earth and the Reapers, I was like, oh man, they're coming and they're going to wipe everything out. And then mm. with the Andromeda galaxy, I was like, well, there's some assimilation going on here, and uh, it's it's uh, you know a bit of a bummer what's going on here, but it's also it felt like. Um, such a foreign place that I didn't necessarily have the same, uh, same emotions invested in it, you know? Yeah. And I no, I definitely agree with you. And I think, you know, maybe my interest in it is just to know how, you know, I just want to continue to learn more about the Mass Effect universe in general. Right. And right. so I think, I think for me, that's a draw. And, you know, I kind of, I said this earlier, uh, I think on a previous episode, which is like the, the Mass Effect trilogy, the original one felt like, a, a movie series and this game kind of felt like I was watching like a TV show based on the movie. Right. Mm-hmm. Like the, the main campaign has, you know, definitely like a, a big budget movie feel to it. But when you're just kind of doing stuff in the open world, um, it kind of feels like you're just watching, 
you know, episodes of like Stargate or Battlestar Galactica, where it's like on this episode, like PB and Korra travel to Kadara and they, you know, get into trouble and then a fight ensues and everything is okay, right? Like end scene, and then you kind of move on to the next part of the story. Mm-hmm. Um, so that like that didn't do a lot to grab me, but I, you know, I did by the time the game ended, I did like the characters. I did have questions about things in the universe and I wanted to see what happens next. And so I, I think like you said, y- the interest in the game kind of hinges on like whether or not you want to know how these pioneers or settlers or explorers, like what they encounter right in this universe and how they, how they get along. Right. And, and if, if that didn't do enough for you, then chances are the game wasn't very like compelling to you. And like I said, I, I feel like, the the game itself like didn't do a great job of really hammering that home like you're just kind of like you know you're you're you know flying by the seat of your pants but like everything else like the website explained that well and the book explained that well but i wish i would have seen it in the game and i think that's what was missing and i think that's where a lot of people were left to kind of like figure it out themselves like what was happening in this game and maybe that's where they failed to grab people like right off the bat but yeah, like it'd I be interesting. The end, it's, of course, it grabs you towards the end, you know. All right, but I, I mean, I think we can probably look up just, like, for instance, the the statistics of how many people have gotten the finished the game statistics on uh, Xbox. Can you can you, yeah. can you check that real quick? I I can't, and it's it's kind of interesting because I think know, it's going to be pretty low. I bet. But I'm going to tell you these numbers, and I think like in the scheme of games in general, this is like not too bad. Um, you know, considering like how many people probably bought this game compared to how many people finished it, right? Mm-hmm. So, like, you know, if we use current statistics from Mass Effect Andromeda based on achievements um, for Xbox, uh, the number of people that completed the game was pretty close to 25%, okay. uh, you know, for completing the main campaign. Um, now, That's actually look, really high. That's a lot yeah. higher than I thought. Yeah, so, like, basically, if you, you know, one-fourth of the people that booted this game up finished a critical path which is like what I think everyone should do when they play this game. Um, things that maybe were not explored as much were uh, completing three different romances with characters across all playthroughs, um, 3%. Um, increasing all discovered planets to 100% viability, 22%, which is like that's all the uh, open world stuff. Yeah, I did that. Um, so that's kind of impressive because you you at least have to activate some of the vaults on those planets to really get that 200%. So that's a lot of work. Um Let's see. And what would be like a high, you know, like maybe we could figure out where people really tailed off, I guess. Maybe that would be the right way to look yeah, at it. Yeah, it was just, I, I, I can't think of a, any specific missions that are like, you know, a quarter of the way through. But I'm curious, you know, like some of the earlier missions, um, maybe three or four hours in, if a lot of people did not complete those. Because that would let you know, you know, yeah. something on the crit path. Yeah, well, the, the I mean, this is kind of an interesting t- statistic, is that uh, 82% of players uh, landed on the first planet, which is like something you do within the first hour of the game. Right. Which means that there are people that started this game, at least, you know, fired it up or put it in their console so that the stats registered for them. Um, 18% of those people, like, never got off of the um, of the, uh, the Hyperion, right? <laughs> which wow. is like... Which only takes about twenty minutes to get off the Hyperion, maybe. I you think know. I did that first section maybe like fifteen times, no joke. Yeah. 
Yeah, trying so to get like, my character to look right. <laughs> so realistically, if you if you imagine eighty percent of people attempted to play this game, eighteen uh, percent, I don't know, like let's just chalk that up to like measurement error. Eighty-two um, percent of the people attempted to play this game, and twenty, you know, a fourth of the people completed it, which is not too bad. Um, so, you know, overall, I feel I feel like you know the open world stuff kind of tarnishes the the main campaign because the main campaign there's a lot to like. Um, you know, yes, there were bugs when the game launched. I do think, in general, people are overly critical of Bioware games because their fans are so um, dedicated. And I think after Mass Effect 3, people feel like they're entitled to just be overly critical of of Mass Effect in general. Um, you know, so it's all it's all confounded together, right? Some of it is justified, some of it is not. Um, and then they also have very dedicated fans, which like expect a lot out of these games. So it's just kind of like a weird mix of things but at least on xbox like the statistics are there like most people don't complete games and at least 25 percent of the players that put the game in the machine or downloaded the game were able to get through the through the main campaign so uh the statistics at least are pretty fair you know based on based on what's being reported through you know achievement reporting right Right, which i think is you know pretty accurate actually so um yeah, I don't know. It's it's a weird thing, right? Like, I, 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 maybe the game didn't sell well. Maybe it's public perception. Maybe like you know a bad, you know the the negative word got out right away, and that turned a lot of people off. But I I think it's still a game worth playing. I'm you know I'm going to be honest with you. I think it's still something that should be played, right? No, I'm with you there. I, I'm with you there. You know, I, I I had some issues with it. Ended up enjoying it. Um, uh, even with some of the patches that have been out, I've kind of found it hard to to go back to. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's just because I think with any that's honestly any open world game for me that I complete, I'm like, okay, it's just like to me, it's like a it's like a daunting thing, like you know, getting getting back to all that work <laughs> of an yeah. open world game. Uh, so even though there's stuff to complete, I'm like, I just can't bring myself to, to go back to it. But um, yeah. And based on the narrative, I think the, the way that this game was intended to be played is I think the game was intended for you to actually focus on just doing the, you know, the critical path and doing relationship stuff and then kind of like really doing everything else after that. Like once you've kind of resolved the main conflict in the game the rest of it is supposed to be exploration but that's not how people play games they you know they tend to do you know all the exploration like as they encounter planets or they don't do it at all right i don't think a lot of people will complete the game and go oh well, let me go check out this remnant vault on kadara and see if i can revive this planet i think that's something you would have done in route or you wouldn't do it at all right right you're absolutely right yeah so it's kind of an interesting interesting concept and i think it's like i don't know how you get people to do that you know when they play the game but i i think if that was how you approach the game you probably have a lot more fun with it than um you know if you try to do every single thing as you found it i hear you man i think you're right but i mean i I still love it i still love it in that multiplayer we don't you know we're not really talking about that now but that multiplayer is good man and so even if you pick up the game on sale and dip into multiplayer you're gonna have a great time so i second that motion there you have it well i think that's it uh there's nothing else in our show notes so I think that means it's the end of the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
This was episode 278 of the Rated NA Podcast. Thanks so much for putting up with us. <laughs> uh, we, uh, of course, on Twitter, at NerdAppropriate. Please give us a follow there. Uh, you can email us all directly, and that's Matt, Scott, or Ash at NerdAppropriate.com. We read every email that comes into our box, so please send us whatever you'd like there. Uh, you can follow us on Facebook, and that's uh, slash NerdAppropriate on Facebook. Same with YouTube, same with Twitch TV, and, uh, of course, we have stuff on Mixer, too. What are we on Mixer? Uh, we are mixer.com slash teams or team uh, under rated NA. Yeah. And one of these days, as we've been saying for many, many months, we will stream. Yep. I mean, we we still, want to. You guys don't yeah. stream every day? You don't we, stream every day? I stream every we don't. day. Do you really? Like in the I, live stream, I live stream breakfast. When I get up. Check this out. Are you, are you like, we're going to find out that you're like secretly a, a, a partnered Twitch streamer. I'm making like your side jokes, guys. It's okay. Side hustle. Oh, okay. <laughs> you do your morning stream. Uh, make yourself uh, laugh. That's what's important in life. Thanks, everybody. <laughs> Have a good week. <laughs> we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye. I almost hung up on you guys on accident. (laughs) I almost did too. I had my finger on the end call. I was like, later, suckers. (laughs)